God in that river. Um, and what's funny is we got to the river, and uh, there was, a, I think, a duck hunter who was just dropping his boat in. He had to wade out with a shovel and break up the ice so he could actually get his boat out. It worked out really well because then all the ice was broken up for Larry. So, well, this morning, um, before I get into my message, I, I get to brag a little bit. Um, I have a new son. <clears throat> yeah, amen. And uh, it's, been, it's been cool to, to bring him home and to have our older boys lovingly take care of him. And, and I, I'm not being sarcastic at all. I know some of you are like, oh, he's getting stuff thrown at him. No, they've actually been, been great with him. Um, I remember uh, I brought Caleb and Ethan, our two older ones, to the hospital. And, and uh, Caleb walked up and just patted the blanket. Good. Hey, hey, baby. And uh, so, yeah, it's been good. Um, I have a few pictures to show because, you know, when I have a mic, I can just do whatever I want up here. So if you want to put up that first picture, so you guys can get a better look at him. There, he was only a few days old. Um, and if you want to go to the next one, yeah, he's our Christmas baby. And uh, it's been a joy to bring him home and to have him. And, and yeah, the, the inspiration behind his name is, is definitely from the Bible. Um, not just because I'm a pastor, it's just um, something with, with the name Silas and the call that that could be on his life. Um, and if you want to flip to the next picture, these are, these are Susan and I's soldiers. Um, we were told on New Year's Eve that, that God has entrusted us to raise soldiers for the Lord, um, which is scary, um, but it's also... Uh, peaceful because I know that, that God is the one doing the work that by his grace that we can teach and raise our boys in the word. And, and uh, so we have our oldest, Ethan, who just lost his first tooth. Um, he doesn't have anything stuck in it. It's, it's gone. Um, so yeah, they've been awesome. So you can go ahead and take that down. Um, it's been great to have him home, but the, the month before he was born, um, we had a week of uncertainty. We had a week where I would say that, that Susan's and, and I's faith was tested, and, and many of you don't know this, and, and I chose to share this this morning because I don't want to stand up here and, and say I've never gone through anything where my faith has even been tested a little bit, because I have, and it's been recent. And so about a month before he was born, Susan went in for her, her regular checkup, and the doctor said, okay, we, we're going to have an ultrasound because there was something that showed up on 20 weeks and we want to check it out again and just see where it's at. So she had an ultrasound, and they said, okay, well, there's something else going on. We want to have a level two ultrasound, so it's a little bit more detailed. We're going to have you come back on Wednesday and, and get pictures done and, and see what's going on. Well, on that Wednesday, they said, okay, there's, there's something else going on. Not only is there a kidney issue that, that we see, we want to look at a little bit more, but there might be something going on with his heart. And... Uh, I have heart issues in my family. I had a cousin who died when I was 10. He was 9 from a bad heart. And uh, so I hear heart issue, and I, my interest has peaked a little bit. Uh, the doctor had my attention. And so, um, so we prayed. Uh, we reached out to the pastors and some of the elders in the church um, and said, hey, this is what's going on. We don't have answers. We don't know anything yet until Friday. And so this is all in, in like a week, a week right before Thanksgiving, and we're we're going into the doctor to, to see what's going on with our little guy. And uh, 
So we go in to have this uh, uh, fetal echo done down at the U of M Children's Hospital. And these people, this is what they do. This is all they do. They publish works. They're, they're literally practicing the, the art of, of medicine and on, on a heart. And um, we go there and we're sitting in the waiting room and we're looking around at all these families. And all these families that, you know, this child has tubes hooked up to them and this child is walking around with an, R, uh, an IV and, and this son is, is stuck in a wheelchair. And, and we're sitting there and we're saying, you know, where, where are their answers? Where's their peace? And, and we don't know what's going to go on in this doctor's appointment, but we're not the only ones who are walking through this. And we go into our appointment, and you know, we're anxious, and the doctor comes in, and she's looking at stuff, and they're talking big medical terms, and we're like, just tell us what's going on with the heart. And I didn't actually say that was in my mind, because I wanted to be very nice, but... Um, they're talking, and, and she, she's like, okay, well, uh, there's his heart, and yeah, your son, um, he has a perfectly fine, strong, healthy heart. Um, was it fine three days ago? Maybe, but I also know that many people were praying over our son, praying Psalm 139, praying that God would continue to knit him together, and I believe that that, that was an answer to prayer. I don't, I don't doubt for a minute that God was at work in those few days. And, and we walked into that appointment saying, God, whatever this looks like for us, let us be faithful witnesses for you. Let us be able to walk through this valley for you because we, we are ready. Let's do it. I mean, that's literally, Susan and I, we were in the van before we walked into a appointment like, let's do this. Whatever God would have, let's do it. And then we walked out and we're like, oh, well, that was it. We did it. It was like easy, but we walked out and we still saw these families who are hurting, who are waiting for the answer. We had great news, and they're, they're left with still having to walk through this valley. And I'm not saying that we won't have another valley around the corner, but it was so hard for us to say, we walked in there thinking that, that something was going to go on, and now we're fine. And his birth went fine. He looks fine. Uh, we have an appointment in a couple weeks to look at his kidneys again. Um, but it's, it's good. God is good. Amen. Amen. I want to watch my time, but I, I have a lot to share with you this morning. God is good. All the time, God is good. And I know that this morning that some of you are maybe still waking up. Some of you maybe don't even want to be here this morning. Um, some of you are Scandinavian and you don't know how to express your faith a little bit, but it's okay to shout an amen every once in a while. It's okay to applaud every once in a while, okay? It's okay to be excited for the things of God. And I look at this year and I, and I want each of you, because Susan and I have had to walk through a few valleys this last year, and so we're looking forward to 2015 and we're saying, okay, God, what would you have for us this year? And I, as a pastor, am looking, okay, God, what would you have for my youth group this year? What would you have for Acts 29 this year? What do you want to do? I don't want it to be my agenda. I don't want my, my purposes to get in the way of what God might do here at Gateway Church. And I know Paul feels the same way. Pastor Joel feels the same way. Whatever God would have for us here at Gateway Church, we don't want to get in the way. We want to be prepared. We want to be in the Word. We want to be in prayer for what God might have. And I want each of you to be prepared. 
for what God might have for you in 2015. That no matter what, pain or joy, that you can be prepared because of his mercy. Because we are shown it daily. Because it is new daily. So this year, some of you maybe are, are setting your sights in a new direction. You're saying, this year's going to be different. I'm going to I'm going to change things this year. I'm going to be healthier. I'm going to be happier this year. But then it happens. You lose focus on what your plans were, and they fail, and you wonder what went on. And I have a couple examples, because I know you guys need a couple examples as far as what I'm talking about. New Year's resolutions. We're not going to talk about those specifically this morning, but maybe your, your resolution for this year is you want to just work out more. I want to be healthier, more physically fit. So you, you join a gym, but then there you are three weeks later and you become a regular at Five Guys and you haven't seen the inside of the gym. Or maybe it's not even just working out, maybe it's just I want to eat healthier. And my wife does Trim Healthy Mama, I know uh, Rhonda, she does uh, Trim Healthy Mama, I think a few ladies here in the church do that and it's phenomenal. I'm not a fan because I'm a dad, um, so it just doesn't work for me. Um, but it's all about eating healthier, all right? So it's cutting sugar out. Uh, maybe for some of you it's cutting soda out or pop, okay? But there you go. A few weeks later, now you're a regular, and they know your name at Coldstone. So what happened? Maybe it's more spiritual. Come on, pastor, it's church. All right, we'll go spiritual. You want to be more committed in your relationship with Jesus, 2015 is a new page for you, a new chapter for you in your walk with Christ. Great. You're going to read the Bible more. You're going to read the whole Bible in a year. You're going to pray more. You're going to share your faith more. But then we see it so often after a couple days, we slip, we forget, and we start looking like the world again. So what happened? Was it really because you stopped doing those religious things? I would say no. When we do not hunger and thirst for righteousness, when we do not follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit, we lose sight of our resolutions. And our resolutions will fail, or if they don't fail, they'll be completely useless in the kingdom. Because they've now become our resolution, instead of what God might have for us. See, God's resolutions, even better, God's will, is unchanging and it's stable, and it's a foundation that will remain, no matter what. No matter what you went through this last year, even no matter what you will go through this year, it is a part of his sovereign will and plan. So now would be the time that I think some pastors would say, okay, this morning I'm going to share with you five easy steps to a great 2015. Let's do it! Come on! Four. Terry will make it easy. Three. But not here, not this morning. And definitely not from me. That's not how I preach. If you've been here at any moment of time, you know that's just not how I roll. You're going to hear the word this morning. You're going to hear truth this morning. It's not going to be a self-help motivational speech. It's not. 
I heard a quote a couple weeks ago, and I said, oh, that would be really good for Gateway Church, because it was really good for me. Paul David Tripp wrote a book, and I've read it a couple times. It's called Dangerous Calling. It's written specifically for pastors to say we, we have a calling in our life that is very dangerous. In the simple fact that we can become melancholy in our faith, uh, depression can hit us, we can become distracted, we can become prideful. And so he wrote this book, and this quote I don't think is from that book, but he knows a thing or two about ministry, and he knows a thing or two about walking with the Lord. And he says, God calls us to a life of constant work, constant growth, and constant confession and repentance. Making us holy is God's unwavering agenda until we are taken home to be with him. He will do whatever he needs to to produce holiness in us. He wants us to be a community of joy. But he is willing to compromise our temporary happiness in order to, in order to increase our Christ-likeness. I want to repeat that last statement. He wants us to be a community of joy. We Christians should be joyful. You should be walking through the church on a Sunday morning saying, we get to be here to worship a holy and living God who saved us. Praise God. Amen. With a big smile on your face. And am I every morning? No, because it's usually because we're chasing around our boys and distracted. And... But joy is unchanging. Joy doesn't change based on our circumstances. So he wants us, God wants us to be a community of joy, but he is willing to compromise our temporary happiness in order to increase our Christ-likeness. God will do whatever it takes to make us more like his son. So this morning, if you have your Bibles with you, either a real one or a digital one, Romans 12 and I'm right at the beginning, verses 1 and 2. And I got nervous last week when, when Joel got up and he's like, I'm in Romans 12 this morning and I'm sitting there like, please don't be preaching on Romans 1 and 2. Please don't be preaching on Romans 1 and 2. And he wasn't, thankfully. But Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Therefore, one simple word, Paul makes his appeal to the church in Rome. Therefore, because of what I wrote about in the first 11 chapters of Romans, because of what I shared in the gospel of Jesus Christ, therefore, I'm making an appeal. And so this morning, I want to make an appeal to you, brothers and sisters, because of the truths of the gospel, because of the truths in this book. Therefore, I want to spur you on this morning. I want to challenge you this morning. The Word of God should, should convict you a little bit this morning. And if you're sitting there this morning and you're saying, wow, Pastor Collins fired up, I absolutely am this morning. I've been wrestling with this message, and, and Susan can attest to this. I was on my computer last night rewriting a portion of my message. 
I want to spur you on this morning. I want to challenge you this morning. If you're visiting here this morning, this is, you're going to see Pastor Colin this morning. If you're a member at Gateway, you know me. And if I need to share again, I love you guys. Some of you I don't even know that well. I still love you. When I was called as a pastor, it wasn't so that I could sit in my office and watch YouTube sermons all day and drink free coffee. It's like a perk, but that's not why I became a pastor. I get to proclaim the word of God. I get to shepherd souls. By the mercies of God. What are these mercies? The gracious, extravagant, divine graces that Paul has shared in the first 11 chapters of Romans. Love, grace, righteousness, faith, just to name a few. Divine graces given to us by God. We can do nothing, nothing, without God doing the work. I can stand up here for four hours and preach and it would mean nothing if God was not at work doing something in your guys' hearts and minds. You don't go out and share your faith without knowing that God is the one doing the work. God is the one breaking a heart, forming a heart, planting a seed. You're being obedient to the call and command of Scripture. But God is doing the work. That takes a lot of pressure off of our shoulders, doesn't it? Amen. Knowing that God's sovereign hand is working in lives, that you don't know that you could be the thousand and first person sharing the gospel with someone, and God's going to make something click. And God's going to save that soul. Throughout the scriptures, we see God working to complete his sovereign plan and will. His grace, the Holy Spirit in our life, guides us and drives us to press on and press forward toward Jesus. Romans 3 says, no one seeks after God. No one is good. Well, how do we seek after him? Because the Holy Spirit has convicted us to move in that direction. To say, I don't, I don't want myself anymore. I want to crucify my flesh. I need the things of God. Paul, Paul writes in Romans 7, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Praise God for the Holy Spirit. That we have the strength to carry out the things in our faith. Because Paul moves on in Romans 8 to talk about life in the Spirit, apart from which we do not grow into maturity. And even Paul recognized one of the greatest apostles, although he called himself the least of the apostles, even he recognized that without the Lord and his mercies, he could not accomplish anything for the kingdom. It's very easy for a Christian to get very prideful. Look at what I did. Look at who got saved because I shared. Look at who got saved because I gave him a track. You did nothing. You were obedient, great, praise God, but praise God. Humble yourself and thank him for doing the work. Live as a sacrifice, as a worship to God. 
I love worship here at Gateway. Deanna, thank you so much for leading us this morning. And you shared this actually same, be a living sacrifice. And I don't know if you knew what I was preaching on or not. It's, it's God. It's God. The only acceptable worship is all of you. Now remember, I love each and every one of you. I don't care what you look like on a Sunday morning when you worship. You can sit in your chair with a scowl on your face. Maybe that's your worship. God's doing a work. Some of you I know will get up and, and dance. Uh, is Stacy? Stacy, I know, has like banners and tambourines, and I love it. But that means nothing. It means nothing if the rest of your week resembles nothing of God. It doesn't matter how holy you look on a Sunday morning, in your worship, or even your conversation out in the foyer. If the rest of your week does not reflect the things of God and His Word, it means nothing. Daily, we must sacrifice, crucify our desires to what God may have. Even things that we say, you know, these are good things, that's fine. If they're getting in the way of your worship, your wholehearted worship to God, get rid of them. Hebrews 12 says, cast off the things that hinder you and sin. It's two separate things. Don't ask if it's a sin, ask if it's getting in your way. If it's getting in the way, I don't care if it's good, get rid of it. It's hindering you. You can, Christian, you can and must be used by God as his instrument of righteousness. I'm going to touch on a couple of things real quick. There's two lives of a Christian. Radical or ordinary? Who wants to be a radical Christian? You can raise your hand. Who wants to be a radical Christian? Who wants to be an ordinary Christian? Reva, God bless you. <laughs> Who wants to be an ordinary Christian? See, we all want to be radical. I want to do great things for God. I hate to tell you, that may not be a God's call on your life. Why do we want radical things? If God is the one doing the work, if you're being obedient to him, isn't ordinary great? I mean, the world would say it's different. Oh, you're, you're just one of those average Christians. You're a Christian. Christ is alive in you. There's nothing average about that. So radical, you may be radical. That may mean, you know, I'm selling everything I have. I'm quitting my normal business, eight to five job. And I'm going to go to northern Iraq. And I'm going to do missions. And I can't tell my family exactly where I'm at. I can't really post anything on Facebook. This is beachhead missions. I'm going to sell everything I have and do that. That's pretty radical. Or you could be ordinary. You keep your normal job. You go to the same church for 20 some odd years. But you're a disciple of Christ. And you share your faith every day with those people you work with. 
and you're a light in a dark world. I don't know, ordinary sounds pretty good to me. I don't want radical. I want you to be a disciple. I want you to do the things of God. I want you to do the things that he calls you to in his word. I could be radical. That could just mean, you know what, stay where you are. Because you're the only light in that place. You need refreshment? Come talk to me. Find another believer where you work. Join a small group. But then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shove you back into your mission field. Your life is an outward conformity to a biblical relationship with Jesus. And your heart attitude is founded in the truth that is God's word and the word that became flesh, and that is Jesus Christ. Be transformed and renewed by the, by the Holy Spirit to discern God's will. Who would like to know what God's will would be for their life this year? No one. If you could say, God, just show me what you would have for me this year. Who wouldn't want to know that? I would love to know. Is this year that maybe one of my sons, like something clicks with their faith? Is this the year that, okay, we, we have to walk down and, and enter a valley? Okay, we may not know those things, but I think we still can know God's will for our life. Do you agree, church? This transformation, this renewal, I know this is a popular verse with Tony in, in his restoration ministry, that we are transformed and renewed. This is only done by the Holy Spirit. You can change whatever you want to on the outside. I decided I would grow a beard, however tiny it is. I'm working on it. But inside, only the Holy Spirit can change my heart. And this occurs not because of our experiences, although those help, but our minds must be saturated with and controlled by the Word of God. It's, it's not a religious thing to want to read this daily. But if you don't find joy in it, then now you've turned it into a religion. Well, I'm just checking it off for the day. I would say some of you are truly renewed by God. Some of you maybe think that you are, and I would say, no, you're not. And I know because I just said that, some of you are looking at me and saying, how dare you say that to me? I know God. A lot of people know God. But has the Holy Spirit transformed and renewed you? Has he given you a new heart? Has he given you a new right spirit? We're supposed to test ourselves to see if we're in the faith. If I, as a loving brother, don't come alongside you and say, you know what, something isn't sitting right, can I pray with you, can I talk to you? That's love. That's true love. You are being sanctified, church. Made into the image of Christ, your ability to stand firm in your faith must be grounded in continual time in the word and prayer. And this prayer is nothing fancy. 
just talking with a living God, reading his word back to him. 1 Corinthians says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are a folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. But we, the church, we have the mind of Christ. God is doing a work in you, sometimes noticeable, other times not. I didn't really see God today. God was working, don't worry. And this final part, the will of God. I'll tell you what the will of God is. It is good, it is acceptable, and it is perfect. I don't know how that might play out in my life. I don't even know how that might play out in your life, even this year. If this morning you hear nothing else, if you hear nothing else this morning, hear this. God's will is good, perfect, and acceptable. You guys fell back asleep. God's will is good, it is perfect, and it is is acceptable. Amen? And it's not this wishy-washy version of good. It is good. It is good for us. I would much rather be walking in the will of God than be separate from it. I want to know peace, walk with God. I want to know joy, walk with God. I remember getting called to ministry, and I, I called Susan's dad, who slightly scares me still. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, Greg, I, I'm, getting, I'm being called to ministry. I, I, I know it. It's been confirmed. It's been edified by elders, by pastors. This may mean I, I might pull your, your daughter and grandchildren to California or Alaska. Thank God it wasn't Alaska. <laughs> His response back to that was, I would much rather have you walking in the will of God and be halfway across the country than be apart from him and be right next door. And I have to say that to my boys someday. God, God told me, you know, I get my, my boys come up and say, Dad, God told me that, that I'm supposed to be doing missions. Okay, son, where? Uh, in the 1040 window. I need to go to northern India. To do missions. Okay, well, let's pray about it. Let's talk about it. And if you still feel like God is calling you in that direction, I have to say, you know what? That's God's will. It's good, perfect, and acceptable. And I will continue to pray for you as you go share the gospel. And that, that scares the crap out of me. I don't even know if I can say crap, but I just did. <laughs> Some of you I know are sitting here right now and you're saying, you know what, I want, I want to know God's will. I want to walk with him. I want assurance that I can walk with him. You have it. God's, God's word, his own word says that. I could stand up here all day and say you have it. This is, it's in his word. He said it first. I'll tell you what, you want your best life now? Yeah, I'm poking fun at someone. You want your best life now? It's God's will and the truths of Scripture. You're not going to get it from a best-selling book. I want that. Whatever that brings me through, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, whatever that brings me through, if that means that five years down the road we find out, you know what, Silas does have something wrong with his heart, 
God, if that's your will, let me walk through it. Let me be a good witness. If I am led by the scriptures, if I am led by the Holy Spirit to walk in that will, give it to me. Do you want that? No matter what, 2015, no matter what, do you want God's will for your life? Do you? Okay, you guys answered. 2015, no matter what, do you want God's will for your life? I don't, I don't think you do. Yes, you just answer Pastor Colin so he moves on. Do you want God to work in your life, to change something, to spur you on? To say, you know what, I get to share the gospel. I get to go share with my neighbor who is so fallen from God. God will want nothing to do with him, but you know that he does. I want that. Oh, I'm going to go share with my best friend, and then he's going to sock me and give me a black eye. In the name of Jesus, yes, I want that. Do you want that? (laughs) Ask for it. You say yes to me, ask for it in your prayers before communion. Say, God, whatever you would have for me this year, I want it. Some of you are going to be too afraid to ask. Be prepared now for what he is going to bring you through this year. It could be good, it could be painful, but with his mercy it's going to be great. Because it's his will, it's good, it's perfect, it's, it's acceptable. I'm not a resolution fan. I kind of scoff at them, actually. If you have a resolution, that's fine. I'm not trying to rip on you or anything like that. I'm just not one of those guys. I don't believe we need a resolution every new year. I think we need God's mercies new every morning. I think we need them new every every day throughout the day. We need His grace So instead of a resolution this year, I just want you to ask yourself a question. And we're still in the new year, so it's not like, well, it's already, you know, first week of January, it's too late because it's not January 1st. We'll pretend, okay? What in my life do I need to remove that does not align with God's word and in turn God's will for my life? What in my life do I need to remove that does not align with his word and in turn for his will for my life? I believe that is a question. It's a question that I've been praying over, praying for this church. There are things in this church maybe we can get rid of. Because it's getting in the way of what God might have for this church. And I think each of you should ask yourself the same question. I believe that this question will lead to sanctify us and to continue to glorify God in our lives. As I pray, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up front. Know that I love you, church. If you're visiting here this morning, still love you. Okay? 
Heavenly Father, I, I thank you that we have your word. We don't need to go to any, any book other than your word to find truth, to find peace, to find freedom from, from this broken world. Lord, as we see this brokenness all around us, as we see this changing world, changing culture that we live in, there is one thing that remains the same, and it's you. Jesus, we know that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. For into eternity, you are the same. Let us not become too familiar, familiar with that. Let us see it with new eyes this morning. That whatever your will for our life this, this year, this decade, that we would walk through it in obedience, knowing that it is good, that it is perfect, and it is acceptable. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that it works in our hearts and our minds because we in the flesh do not want the things of you. Help us to crucify our flesh so that we would seek you, earnestly seek you with a renewed passion, a renewed zeal because we love you. In the right spirit, in the right heart, in the right mind, we love you. And we are thankful. Lord, I pray this because of Jesus' blood shed because of the Holy Spirit that was given to us, because of the right heart that was given to, to us when we were born again. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm sure I went over time. I don't care. What I had to say this morning, I, I had to say. And sometimes the time thing, you know, we can stretch it a little bit. And Joel talked to me about it on Monday, I'm sure, but it's fine. This morning, we're going to do uh, communion. We're going to do it a little differently this morning. Um, I'm going to say it wrong, so, so I'm not going to use the official word. Um, but basically, you come up front on your own. Um, you take a little piece of bread, and you dip it in the wine, and you go back and sit down. So um, we're not passing trays this morning. Um, I believe this morning it gives us a great time to sit and pray and just commune with God, to hear what he might have for us, and to take time to ask for his will in our life. And here at Gateway, we practice open communion. You don't have to be a member of, of Gateway Church. You don't have to be a member of the Alliance. If you are a member of the body of Christ, you can participate in our communion. Christ died for everyone. And if you know him, if you are in a walking relationship with him, we would love you to have communion with us this morning. And as the worship team plays, take time to pray. Take time to talk to him and then come up as you are ready. If you need a gluten-free wafer, they're up front here at the center table. I'm going to pray one more time. I just, we need, we need God. We need his mercy. Heavenly Father, as we celebrate communion this morning, bless us. There's nothing supernatural about what we're about to eat, but it is a celebration. If we are in the right heart and right mind, I know you will do a work. You will remind us of the joy that we have because of the death of your son. 
and that you raised him up into life. And as we celebrate his death in communion, we also celebrate his life in baptism. We celebrate the obedience of saints who have said, I want to be obedient to the scripture. I, I want to get baptized. I want to profess my faith in front of 300 people. Help us to find joy in that this morning, Lord. Prick our hearts if need to. Lord, help us to repent of unseen sins that we've been hiding from those around us. Let us partake in communion with a clean heart, with a right mind. Jesus, we thank you. Amen.